0: Enterstage Window streams every Saturday from noon to 2 Eastern Standard Time. Join us if you have any questions or comments. Enjoy the show!
1: Hey guys! We are back for another week. Um, I'm here with Landon once again, as per usual. Say hi, Landon. Hi guys! Hey. It's Landon
0: reoccurring as the role of the omniscient voice in the background.
1: <laughs> all right. And today um, we got a lot of really fun stuff for you guys. We're going to talk about our experiences in the education system and um, also about being lifelong learners. And of course, we're going to relate it all back to, to role play and writing advice and stuff like that. So um, while Landon is kind of going to do her little introduction and get you guys going, I'm going to get the game started. And, um, and I wanted to say thank you also to all of our new followers i see we had several new followers come on while uh you know in between episodes so welcome hey happy to have you guys here
0: thanks for listening to us gab
1: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah
0: um well yeah so today today we're going to be discussing education but i think we also wanted just to do a quick disclaimer that we are both uh American. And we both had a United States of America uh, experience and focus as far as when it came to education. And we know that different places around the world have different education focuses and styles. And so I think that's important to discuss and acknowledge when we're going to be discussing this. But if you are listening and have any insight for things outside of the American system, we would love to hear them. And even if you do have insight for stuff inside the American system, we'd love to hear that too. But especially opinions and experiences that happened outside of the of the usa we would love to hear about your guys's take on education what that experience was for you yeah so be sure to do it down in the chat or you can uh contact me on our discord server if you want to come in on live we can always do that too
1: Hey, Naomi, how's it going? Happy to have you here. And and yeah, this is going to be very, um, you know, American-centric, uh, you know, aside from if anybody decides to come on and, and talk to us um, or what you guys share in the chat, we'll, of course, you know, shout that out. But um, but yeah, we're both both American, um, different parts of the US, but American nonetheless. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, all right, so let's start with our favorite things. Karen, do you have a favorite thing
1: this week? I do. Oh, my gosh. OK, Landon, I have a new ship. <laughs> oh. Oh, tell me. Okay, so I've shared this um here and there. I don't know if you've if you've caught it, but um or noticed or whatever, but I um I have, uh, I started watching Shira, the remake, right? The Princesses of Power remake that they yep. did because the show was finally over and um, and the fandom for that show was just, it was just crazy, right? Like people would ju- were just crazy. So I didn't want to, um, to, to start watching it while the fandom was in its like heyday because I just didn't want to get involved with all that. But then once it was over, I was like, okay, I'm going to binge this all because this looks up my alley and oh my gosh it's so good it's like so good i can see why it got popular um and i highly recommend the show to anybody but my new okay. ship, my new ship from it is entrapdak which is wonderful um ties back into last week it's a villain ship right oh yep the best <laughs> yes so it's it involves um entrapta which is a basically she's like the science character right she's like the science character and um and she ends up getting captured by the evil horde. That's the main villains in the show, and uh, and she starts creating technology and basically using her science for them. But she's like in it for the science, so she's like, it's fine, whatever. Like they gave me a job, it's cool. Um, and she ends up forming this kind of like very interesting dynamic with um, with kind of who's the main ish villain of the show, um, Hordak. So so that's that's the ship is uh, is a, oh. a captor and and captive um you love a good oh, stockholm syndrome oh my gosh it's wonderful it's <laughs> wonderful it's like i and i don't want to describe too too much because i want you to experience it because i think you would be very interested in this Ooh. um and and I, I i this isn't exactly a spoiler because you'll you'll figure this out pretty easily when you watch the show just because of the nature of it but it becomes semi-canon <gasps>
0: oh the best it's kind of good I- so I love good. when the far-fetched <laughs> ships become canon because mm. you're like, oh, the writers actually understand
1: what people want. <laughs> oh my gosh. They and they so do in this show. They so do. Um so yeah, that that is my recommendation. Go watch She-Ra on Netflix. It's excellent. And um and Stan in Trap Deck for life uh is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We love a good new ship.
1: Yes. So that's All my favorite right. thing this week Entrap DAC. Send, send me Entrap DAC art, um, Entrap DAC fix. I'm here for it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, do it. Um, okay. So what's well, your my... favorite
1: thing? Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm going to break the rules a little bit. Okay. And that's because I'm going to talk about two.
1: That's okay. Rules are meant to be choose broken. One.
0: Uh, The reason being that I had one really picked out and then Taylor Swift decided to drop a surprise album this week.
1: Oh man, how how much Um, I knew Folklore was going to be one of your favorite things. (laughs) It would not be on brand if it was not.
0: (laughs) When I was doing the outline, it had not dropped yet. And so when I picked my favorite thing, I was like, oh. Who knew that Taylor would, of course, drop something and then change my life forever. And then she did. So Folklore uh, by Taylor Swift, everyone needs to go listen to it and just um, just be amazed at the wonderful queer album that it's turning out to be.
1: Oh, is it really? I feel like a little um, bit. I, I can't decide, you know, based on the You Need to Calm Down, which I love the song, but I have some issues with the music video. Um, if Taylor Swift is, is, uh, you know, more pandering or if it really is like actually kind of queer content, um, I, I struggle, I struggle to know. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to know at this point, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Cause it's just kind of like fun to enjoy. I have not listened to the new album yet, which means I need you to tell me what is your, uh, what's your favorite song on there? So I know what to go listen to first.
0: Well, Naomi just said it in the chat. It's a list of affair.
1: <laughs> hey,
0: touching. Uh, Hi, Lunar um illicit affair which is an amazing song but frankly uh any of them are great it is the album that i have needed since she came out with her red album in Ooh. like 2000
1: that's high praise wow. from you you love red
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i was like oh this is the this is the album i needed and then she just kept putting out pop albums and so i'm finally i'm finally glad for like an indie folklore album or, folk, folk album Lunar uh, Lunar, funny
1: enough is a huge Swifty too. Um, uh, I I learned that last night when I was in her stream. Um, So hey hey, Lunar we're talking about Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah what is your favorite song Lunar?
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, I I have to say Elicit Affairs, uh, Cardigan and Elixir is amazing. Those are my top three.
1: Oh okay so that's that's what I need to go that's what I need to do at some point today is go listen to those three. Um, I'll put that on my to-do list.
0: Please do. Okay, and then while Lunar is answering the question about what is her favorite song, I will talk about the favorite thing that was originally uh, my favorite thing for this week. Before
1: Taylor Swift, Swift stole that thunder. <laughs>
0: yes, but apparently this week is just supposed to, like, enlighten and just, like, make my inner high schooler so happy, which is great. Because my favorite thing this week was uh, is actually Twilight. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Landon, it's not 2008.
1: It's not. (laughs) We're not 16.
0: (laughs) What the fuck do you mean, Twilight, is your favorite thing this week? And I will tell you that uh, my friend and I were having a a tough day. And so we decided that we wanted to just, like, zone out and watch a movie. And we thought, you know, it'd be really, really fun to just riff Twilight. To just make fun of it. Fun. And so her her roommates had gotten into it, like, they were like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And one of her other roommates were like, well, I've actually never seen it. I was like, okay, that's going to be amazing.
1: It? He. <laughs> oh, he, how did, oh, well, that's, what, that's how, you, never mind. That's I how.
0: <laughs> but, like, my brain <laughs> did not put that together, right? Because I was like, oh, okay, a uh, 30-year-old man didn't see Twilight. I understand that, but when he says didn't see, He means that he missed it all together. And I didn't realize this because I thought it was just that he never watched it. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this until there is a moment in the movie where Edward is showing off all the reasons why he is too dangerous to be around Bella. And he was like throwing trees and going super fast. And then he's like, you should see me in the sunlight. And we, as people who grew up in that age and era, know exactly what's going to happen when Edward Cullen steps into the sunlight, right? This man did not know and was not prepared at all. So when he steps in and starts sparkling, my friend Jamie goes, what the hell is he doing? And it was in that moment that I realized he knew absolutely nothing nothing about twilight which just made it wonderful because it is the worst thing in the world to watch if you're expecting vampires
1: and you're getting a glittering boy in the sun oh my god this poor man this my heart jamie you can show him this clip jamie my heart my heart goes out to you i was ever so slightly i was ever so slightly too old for twilight so i was in the prime of like making fun of twilight and disliking twilight um and i'm so sorry that you got to miss all of that because it was a roller coaster right it was a roller coaster from like it I hate twilight all the way to well maybe some parts of it are okay all the way to the third book where it actually gets kind of adult and super weird and kinky and i was like hmm i don't know about nah. this maybe there's good parts and then and then like at this point the <laughs> fandom has gone full circle and it's kind of like you know maybe we were wrong to hate on Twilight so hard it's it's just like a, a weird oh. it's just like a weird fantasy book it's whatever you know and it's just that terrible. whole journey that whole journey <laughs> has been magical and I'm so sorry Jamie that you missed it
0: <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing has been terrible because the movies are just trash the oh books, yeah I will say, I will say that the books actually have some decency in them as far as storytelling goes but the let's movies be fair, are they're... Just
1: the books are mostly trash too but but they're like, I mean, they're, like yeah, our, they they're kind of like you know our trash are like yes. they're, they're the kind of trash that um that you know that women enjoy so you know it's kind of like forgivable but the movies try yes. to like redeem them in these weird ways anyway yeah so that's my opinion on the twilight movies they're like all the bad parts of the book
0: <laughs> that is very true So no, so uh, upon hearing that he, the reaction he had to Edward Cullen sparkling, I knew what I must do, and that was to put my very dear friend Jamie through the entire series of Twilight. Um, So we have watched up to Eclipse. We are going to watch Breaking Dawn, both part one and part two tonight. Uh, He still has no idea that there's like a, demon baby coming on the way oh no Um, he has reacted perfectly to everything he is and it's just it's been fantastic oh because i don't think i really appreciated people finding out about what happened in the series when i was 16 but i'm getting to live this and it's just wonderful because i feel like i'm torturing him but also getting to be happy and
1: laugh about it lunar speaking my language keep your vampires and give me the wolves the wolf pack dynamics are the best part of twilight
0: come don't at
1: me don't at me they are they are okay so here i'll 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 keep this the
0: lore for the wolves in twilight is acceptable stellar and they don't explore it and they should i enjoy the dynamics all of the characters are trash that is my mic drop i'm sticking with it
1: okay i really i really can't disagree with you there if (laughs) if she had designed better wolf characters then maybe she would have felt compelled to actually explore the really cool lore that she made. Anyway, yeah. But the the werewolf lore is the, is the best part of Twilight. Like that's that's my hot that's my Twilight take. Right, I, as a I as a werewolf stan. <laughs> yes, I
0: agree with you. But I think what the biggest problem is is that she tries to sell something that is extremely problematic as something that's not problematic. Oh yeah, it's super Being problematic. Being like the falling in love at first sight Mm-mm, idea, and like awful. that I can just lose my temper and then kill you. Um, but being like no it's true love which yeah, I like no. as a writer love but also <laughs> it's not a good healthy dynamic
1: no and the only character that ever has anything to say about the actual reality of the dynamics in the book is, is Bella's dad who gets totally sidelined right oh my God. so that's like kind of a failing there should have been more than one character like that and they should <laughs> they shouldn't have been he shouldn't have been sidelined but um, so- it is what it is
0: We have decided as a collective, this group that's watching Twilight together, that uh, Charlie Swan should have been an alcoholic. It would have been so much, like, added depth to his character instead of just being the awkward father who doesn't know anything. Um, And I was like, that's the best part about Twilight. Sorry, my cat's meowing in the background if you can hear him.
1: Hey, Sherlock.
0: Um, (laughs) Just noisy. He's like, Mama, you're talking to someone.
1: You should Um, be talking to him.
0: (laughs) I talk to you all the time, child anyway. <laughs> uh, so that is that was my original favorite thing was was the Twilight series uh, not because they're great, but because the reactions by other people have been fantastic.
1: Love it. Um, so we let to backtrack for just a second. It looks like lunar had said her uh, her favorite songs were Last American Dynasty and Betty. Uh, do you have yeah. any hot takes on those songs? How do you feel about That's, those ones?
0: So the uh, the three I mentioned earlier were my top three. Last American Dynasty is number four, and Betty Ooh. is number five. So oh, Luna, wow. you got great taste. It's
1: wonderful! I love it. <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah. So Sorry. Have... The cat is knocking things down now. That's what they Um, do. Betty is the super queer song. Um, Mm. It's not. So here's the thing. Not to like deep dive and make this entire stream about Taylor Swift. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll tune
1: out. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know what it means when you when you click off of your own stream. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, very quickly, um, the song is written by Taylor, obviously, and is sung by Taylor. Uh, However, it's supposedly about the perspective of a man talking about his like first love but it's totally not. It's totally queer. Anyway, oh. that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um,
1: well, <laughs> so I, I, will, have... I will have to actually listen to this and give my take. I just, Do it. I hope I like it um, and that she doesn't release music videos that make me ruin the parts that I like. That's what I really have to say about that's that fair. when it comes to Taylor and, um, and queer content.
0: <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I understand. The... <sighs> So the you gotta calm down. The song was I think it was a little pandering. Like it was you super said.
1: pandering. It was super pandering. But and then on you top know of what? that, I she tries was... to pretend the haters are all just poor southern people, and it's like yes. no, that's not what's hurting gay people. What's hurting gay well, people is the systems and structures, not the poor your poor neighbor that's a bigot. You know. I yes, <laughs> but
0: I also sit there and I go I will accept any allyship I can, especially because it is so still to this day incredibly. Um, rare within Hollywood and or celebrities I mean, to come fair. out with content to not support like it's not rare for celebrities to support but to come out with content, content and actual support people are either identify as queer themselves or they don't create content um, so I am very grateful for Taylor Swift in that way however I agree that her take on what homophobia looks like these days
1: like that's just not, uh, was not very true. it's just not true was, yeah it was not true. <laughs> yeah. uh so. so yeah that's that's the issue that I had with it but you know it was it was kind of her first time trying to do that uh so you know a for effort uh you yeah. know that sort of that sort of thing <clears throat>
0: um yeah I mean I'll take it and then I like the I like that the songs have undertones rather than coming out I think the subtlety is what makes it important because it shouldn't have to allyship shouldn't have to be a like statement of being like oh if you don't like gay people then you're stupid it should just be like yeah gay people
1: exist yeah they're here and (laughs) and you know it's 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 a thing and you just need to figure out what that means for you yeah exactly
0: so that's our favorite things um if you're watching the chat right now or you're watching the twitch be sure to subscribe to the twitch i think we forgot to say that earlier Yeah, follow give um, us a
1: follow sorry we're like super yeah. we're like really new to twitch and super boomers so like I, I know it's follow but i keep doing the same thing i keep doing the same thing and saying subscribe subscribe to my youtube channel follow the <laughs> twitch
0: <laughs> follow the twitch subscribe to youtube and also follow our instagram yes. um both karen's and our enter stage window which is the uh name of this wonderful stream since we were terrible at introducing that as well.
1: Oh yeah, we actually have a name now I keep forgetting, but we have a name now we're called interstage window. Uh, That is that's our official stream name. So, um, do we want to dive right in? Yeah, I think let's dive right in. We've got a really meaty topic. So, so let's dive right in. Um, What are we, what are we starting with first?
0: So, for those of you who were not here to join us, because our viewership went up since we started, we are talking about education right now, and I figured a good place to start would be our stories through education, because both of us have very, um, both of us, first of all, are are teachers in some ways. I'm I'm going to be a teacher for elementary, middle school, and you are a teacher of an adult of adults, but you it's more of like teaching as a job rather than like being in a school system.
1: Yes. So I'm not part of the school system. I'm um, what's called a corporate trainer. But if you've not worked in the corporate world before, sometimes that's confusing. So what I'll say a lot of times is like, I'm a teacher, but it's for adults. So essentially what I do is, you know, when you get a new job at a new company, you'll have like either training videos you have to watch or you'll be sent to a classroom with a trainer to learn how to do the job or like someone will come sit with you at your desk and show you the things you're supposed to do. That's that's my job. Um, I I build those those things, and you know I come to your desk and sit with you, or you know those sorts of things um, when you start a new job. So that's what I do. It's it's really not that different than teaching, but um, but it's for adults, and the focus is really on like you were just hired and you need this specific, okay. you need to learn this specific set of tasks or skills. Um, so yes. that's that's what I do.
0: And then we also both consider ourselves lifelong learners yes. and people who are really uh, aware and want to continue our education, whether it's in a, uh, a what's we call it? A, formal like a or professional, informal. Normal way or, yeah, formal or informal. That's, yeah. Those are the words. Yep. I speak English, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we kind of just wanted to discuss that and have... That topic and our experiences going through that, and how we got to where we are about the feelings of education, as well as wanting to be in ways teachers, as well as wanting to continue to learn throughout our life, and how we can apply that to our RP styles and writing in general.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, Karen, why don't you tell me about
1: your your experience within the educational system here in the United States? Okay, so um, I went to public school. In, uh, in a deep south state so um, it's it's not unusual for you know it to be said that those educations aren't the best and da da da, da things like that um, but really I, I my education wasn't too bad um, my parents actually made a, an overtly political decision to send me to public school because um they thought it was very important that i understand how to get along with people different than us you know people that are are different you know um socioeconomic classes people that are different races people with just different experiences than what i was experiencing in my relatively middle-class neighborhood so it was a very political decision i'm glad they did it because um i saw what happened to the kids that came out of private schools in my area not so good so very glad that they (laughs) did that um so my education was actually fine all the way up until high school so what happened in high school is that the no child left behind policy was enacted and i was the very first class at my high school that was forced to go through the standardized testing that came with the no child left behind policy. So basically what that meant is to graduate, I had to pass a class um, and a specific test that, uh, that basically said like, Karen knows enough to graduate high school. So you were allowed to take this test all the way from 10th grade on. So the moment I was allowed to take it, I took it and I passed it because it wasn't that hard, right? It was it was testing for bare minimum, right? So so that was the No Child Left Behind policy. And I passed it in 10th grade. And after that, what I experienced was being taught that test over and over and over and over and over because there were kids that hadn't passed it. And we wanted our school to have everyone pass it. So what the teachers would do is constantly have to be reteaching and reteaching the information that was on this test to try to help kids pass it. And so for those of us that already had passed it, we were just subject to this. We were subject to this over and over and over. And then, so I basically tolerated that um, during the end of the 10th grade and through 11th grade. And then during the summer, Uh, Oh, oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for the host, Lunar. I really, really appreciate that. Um, What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Okay. So during the summer of my 11th grade year, I started applying to colleges. I did early acceptance, early admission, and I got into the college I wanted to go to. And my parents agreed, yes, we will pay for this particular college. It's all good. So in my mind, like I was done. I was technically, it was impossible for them to hold me back from graduating because I'd passed their stupid test. I had a college I was accepted to that, that they couldn't undo it now because my parents started paying them. Right. So like, that was it. That was it. Um, I was done. And so because I could not muster the, um, the ability to give a shit, um, (laughs) in my senior year i i just totally checked out i started skipping classes that i thought weren't important i started you know only doing the things that i thought were fun i started doing everything i could to participate in school as little as possible because there was no reason for me to be there to sit in class and learn about a test that i passed two freaking years ago right so that was a lot of my experience with high school and it actually really screwed me up it really screwed me up because I kind of forgot like how to go to class and be present and show up and take tests and stuff because I just kind of didn't do it for a year so my my freshman year of college was actually kind of difficult like I still it was freshman year right they don't do any you don't do anything I went to a liberal arts um college so we didn't do anything like that hardcore First semester mm. of the freshman year it was all very easy stuff so like it wasn't it wasn't a big deal like as far as affecting my grades go but i was constantly stressed out because i was woefully underprepared constantly for every quiz for every test for every everything because i was doing the same thing i was like doing what i the classes i thought were fun <laughs> and just like checking out of the stuff that I didn't care about. And I had to kind of like relearn how to be a student, which was absolutely freaking torturous. So what I'm trying to say is, I blame No Child Left Behind <laughs> for me for essentially like a year and a half of my life, forgetting how to learn things. And that is been that was my experience with the education system. Now, eventually, of course, I got I, I was good with it. Like I, I, I got over it and I started, you know, paying attention and doing what I was supposed to do to actually learn stuff in class. And, and <laughs> yep. I was fine. And I was fine. Like it was just really the first semester that I was really like screwed up for. Um, so I got out of it and it was fine. But, you know, um, it was torturous. It was really, really torturous. My first semester of college and, and academically torturous. Um, so, yeah, that was that's my experience. Not so good. Not so good. So really. <laughs> A couple questions because okay. I was a little younger.
0: So when I do not remember a time before uh no child left behind, uh, mm-hmm. mostly because I was in I was in private school before it enacted, and then when I went to public school, it was already a part of the system. Yep. So the standardized testings that you were taking were they when they first were implemented were they already um, attached to funding or
1: did that happen a little bit later? Do you know? No, they already were. They already were. So there okay. was a lot of like. If we don't pass everyone, we're going to lose our funding. So there was a point. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily that they wanted to pass everyone; it's that they were just basically like, "Nope, we need to- we need everyone to pass because yeah, there was panic. We are going to not have any."
1: money to pay our teachers yeah there was like legit panic like it's not it's not like it's not like the teachers made this decision and thought standardized testing is great we think this is a wonderful (laughs) system let's do it no like they were coerced the same way everybody else was um this was not this was not like something something like that where like everybody collectively thought this horrible thing was a good idea not the case um so yeah you're that's good question because i want that to be clear for anybody that's younger that doesn't remember going through this no child left Behind the testing was tied to funding. So there was pressure for all of us to pass the test. There was pressure for the smart kids, like, please don't leave us and go to private school. Please don't leave us and go to boarding school. Please graduate with us. And, and like, please tolerate having to basically do the same thing for three years in a row um, while we get these tests passed, because it was their first year. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. I was literally class number one that was required. So they did not know what the hell they were doing with us
0: yeah it's that's so that's so frustrating it was that, like, frustrating that the fact that i mean the first of all for people who do not know what no child left behind was for those outside of the united states or who haven't heard it it's basically a series of laws that were passed by uh president bush jr not he's not actually a junior but it was the second bush w. w um that basically said that uh in order for kids not to drop out there would be a new system of how schools would receive funding from the government that would uh require yearly standardized tests from grades two through senior year in high school so basically for basically 10 years you had to take these tests and then depending on how the percentiles the school does is dependent on how much funding they get
1: Mm -hmm. uh
0: Which is so stupid because that also means that places that have less students or less rural or areas that have uh, people of higher privilege versus people who have low privilege, um, inner city schools, urban schools are much less likely to get funding, even though they're the ones that need funding the most.
1: Yep, so in these areas, for example, where like a lot of the students, by the time they reach high school, they are also working to help support their families because they're living in impoverished areas um, where jobs yep. are just not plentiful. Um, you, they, they essentially get cut funding because you can't do super well in school when you're trying to work, you know, 20, 30 hours a week on top of going to class, you know? Yep. So it was then- it's awful.
0: Yeah, it basically rewarded the, the whole purpose of it was to reward schools that were doing well and penalize schools that were doing badly, but it didn't take into account that the schools that were doing badly, quote, unquote, needed more help and more resources.
1: Yeah, it they didn't um, take into account why certain schools did better than others essentially. Like, it just it I didn't. Mean, yeah. It didn't. It, it tried to pretend like that the that the, the what schools did better or worse had something to do with like the quality of teachers or the intelligence yeah. of the students. And that's just not the case.
0: Nope. So it was it was a terrible thing. And then it has stayed like it has developed and changed. Uh, Obama tried to rewrite some of the rules, but in order to replace a, a the laws, he needed to come up with his own. And those laws were not nearly or standards were not nearly as. They weren't good either. We're still have standardized testing Uh, funding is still built on testing. What it did, it changed that the fact that if a school is reporting poor grades, it gets three years of additional funding to raise those grades or raise those test scores so that you can hypothetically, if you're getting additional funding, you can solve the problems Um, But then if those test scores do not raise, then the entirety of the school gets both that additional funding taken away and then their original budget taken away as well.
1: Yeah. So schools essentially right now, what schools are being told to do is, hey, you have three years to fix systemic problems that have nothing to do with how you run your school. (laughs) It's essentially the state that we're in now, um, which isn't any better. It's only like slightly like a half step better than what I went through. But it it doesn't it doesn't do anything to solve the underlying problems.
0: And then the also the other thing that uh, No Child Left Behind did was make it basically impossible to fail or be left behind. So students all of a sudden that were struggling with certain classes or certain concepts, especially in elementary and middle school, uh, were passed through whether they knew the content or not. They were yep. never held back. Held, holding back a student required multiple steps so that you had students who, who barely have any reading ability in high school because yep. of these issues, because they were never properly taught. Because once you move on, you're, you've been assumed that you've already been taught how to read. And if you weren't capable of doing that in third grade and were never taught how to continue doing that, um or how to change those habits or how to or how to cope you're just not going to be able to be at that literacy level at all yep um and that made it so that kids can fall through the cracks even though this idea was supposed to help kids not fall through the cracks
1: yeah so they pass on paper but they don't really they don't really yeah at all they don't really um, um, so before we get into too much else with that, because there's a lot of different ways that that conversation could kind of spiral. But I want to hear yeah. I want to hear your history. So um, oh, so God. Landon, explain <laughs> your history with the education system.
0: All right. So um, I think it's very important to realize that uh, there is a huge split for me. Uh, I was a very different person in high school than I am in college. So uh, there are two very different takes. For the first thing with uh, high school is. Well, for my primary school, I was lucky enough to be in a private school uh, from grades K through eight. My graduating class was 12 people. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was a very small private school. I had the same people and basically the same teachers through the entire thing. Um, And it was nice in a way that I was very lucky to get that one on one intention Uh, that I was able to have a lot more freedom because there weren't those requirements on private schools. I never took a standardized testing. Um, I was able to learn the curriculum without having to worry about what the government was thinking, which was very, very nice, and I'm very privileged for that fact. However, uh, it still wasn't the best experience because, first of all, small groups... And small, small as much as like one-on-one attention and small classroom sizes are good, uh, it can get very, very clicky and very, very hard to learn in an environment that can be hostile because it's so small. It's a really it's an interesting conundrum. But that was my own personal experience. But I went through as far as learning, I learned the traditional route. So I was there was no like nowadays in p- private schools, there's the idea of different kinds of learning, whether it's fo- high focus on kinesthetic learning or community service projects or anything like that, that didn't exist when I was going through private school. It basically was just school, but smaller classes. Um, so I was ahead of the curve when I entered my freshman year. And for freshman year, I went to an, I went to three different high schools. Freshman year, I went to an all-girls Catholic school, which was a very interesting learning curve, Uh, and it was for the first time that I really felt like what school was, that I had multiple different teachers, multiple different classes, that I was able to choose what I kind of wanted to learn and how to say in it, which was very interesting, but then I was asked not to return, being that I'm not Catholic, and I made that very clear. Um, How dare you. (laughs) (laughs) when i started questioning god in theology class they were like perhaps this isn't the school for you (laughs) um so so then after that i went to uh overland high school in aurora colorado which is a um which is one of the schools in the cherry creek district and i know i'm giving so much information but the reason for it is because the cherry creek district is incredibly segregated um Overland is a mostly black and Hispanic school. Uh, Three percent of the population was white. And going from an all-girls Catholic school to that was very interesting. And And it was a huge take on different ways of learning because all of a sudden I was learning things that I was expected to know, that I would, had been expected to know in sixth grade, I was learning then in, as my sophomore in, in high school, um, and I was bored by it. I didn't, it's very similar to you as far as like, I already know this, why am I learning this? But because of the way that the funding had worked, this school was one of the poorest in the district because of their lack of test scores. And their lack of test scores had to do with the fact that there was a huge amount of poverty in the area, um, and that students weren't able to learn outside of school, which was heartbreaking to learn. But also, as someone who was very privileged, watching that was incredibly—it it tore me up—and um, was made me very confused as to why this was so different than my previous high school. Why, why, did, why were there no new books? Why didn't people have access to technology? Why was there an assumption that the students were stupid? Um, how the teachers treated students differently was inc- appalling. Um, and then the different types of students there were was incredibly shocking to the system. And I got overwhelmed and overloaded and I just stopped caring about school. So I stopped doing everything, including homework. Um, That's so and sad. And yeah, I mean, I didn't want to do it. I had learned and I had read Romeo and Juliet for the fourth time, and it there was a huge amount of like issues that I personally had with the system. But I also didn't want to do homework because I hate homework. Still to this day, as a college student, hate homework.
1: Oh um, my gosh I have a whole take on homework but um but I don't know we'll if we'll, I don't know if we'll get to that um but we'll see uh.
0: but uh, so I did that for an entire year and my grades slipped uh, of course as they should. I was acing tests and acing uh, and participating in class and being who I was as a student but I wasn't turning in any homework which means that every single class on my report card was a D. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's how much weight homework was considered in that school.
1: So you basically were getting, like, not getting a participation grade. So they were like, well, she knows the material, but she's not participating, so we're going to punish her for well, that. Well,
0: I was, no, the problem was, is I was participating. It's just oh. that homework was considered 40% of the grades. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was, which is that's terrible. And look, and looking back on it now, I was like, what about the kids that, like, were raising younger siblings and who had, who had justifiable reasons to not do their homework and we're failing because of those reasons. That's terrible that that's how the system was made.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that there so, were kids in that school in that exact situation. There's no way that there weren't.
0: Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And there, and, and that was common. Like, that's the other thing too, is that homework was so high on all of the classes that, that most people were failing because of that. Because also why give me busy work? That's how a lot of people viewed homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't really a sports system in place in that school, because of the poor funding and so a lot of kids who normally would have had drive to keep up their grades in order to participate in after curricular activities couldn't either afford those after curricular activities or they just didn't exist within that system wow um so there was no drive or motivation to keep up their grades for any other reason than
1: to not (laughs) right they had more important things to worry about
0: yeah and being at home and and all of that was more important Mm -hmm. So uh, halfway through that year, my mom uh, married my stepdad and we moved. I continued to go to Overland for the rest of the semester. Um, But then the next year, which would be my junior year, I went to a different school in the same system, in the same school district, Mm -hmm. which was incredibly different. The uh, ratio of race flip-flopped. All of a sudden, 97% of the student body was white Mm -hmm. and 3% were people of color uh there were new there was new technology available there was new books available every year there were activities and classes and sports and extracurricular activities that you were encouraged to do it was an entirely in the public school system an entirely different school
1: and if that isn't and if that isn't like the perfect case study that shows that really this all is just white supremacy that's all that's all it does it just all goes back to white supremacy supremacy And
0: when I say that we moved a mile away from my old house, we crossed a line, an invisible line that told us what school we could go to. And that was it. We moved into a whiter neighborhood. And due to that, I was able to go to the school with everything that you could want. Um, And I, I, I had that opportunity when so many people didn't because they were literally born on the wrong side of the line. That's so crazy.
1: That's so crazy. And it's
0: disgusting that that's happening.
1: And that still Um, happens. That's still basically how our school system works for, for those that are not, you know, in the U.S. and and don't know. um, That's incredibly common. And no matter where. Segregation. Segregation within our school system still exists. Yeah. And it's no matter where that like that has nothing to do with like, like the the deep south gets a lot of flack for being, you know, racist and things like that. But the reality is, is it's everywhere. Stuff like that is everywhere. There's not a single state in the U.S. that does not have that type of experience.
0: And we're talking about this is Colorado, which is supposedly one of the more liberal and, um, you know, and has the higher demographic of people of color. Mm -hmm. One of those states like we're not talking deep south or Texas or, you know, Montana. We're talking a very incredibly mixed
1: state. Yeah, it's supposed to be super diverse there. And yet. (laughs) And
0: yet. So, um, yeah. So I then also because of how. Uh, how I viewed school and how I viewed life at that point, I didn't understand why I needed to do homework if I was a- if I was passing all the tests and participating in class because I was actively participating in class. I was, as a student, what they call, uh, <laughs> I was a, I always had, um, she's a joy to have in class on my report cards throughout elementary school that I participated well and I was eager to learn, which just basically meant that I ha- was a people pleaser
1: oh my gosh so So sorry to interrupt i'm so sorry to interrupt but i have something very important to say hey thumper oh my gosh i'm so glad you could join us um finally on stream we're talking about education so um really really uh interesting topic this week okay carry on (laughs) no
0: so uh we entered junior year and um i had a report call card full of d's and continued to do so because i still didn't do any homework (laughs)
1: um
0: and i'm talking that i'm getting a's on class in class and a's on papers and tests and not doing any homework and failing classes so that takes us all the way up to senior year i had at this point been in three different high schools vastly different high schools Uh, i had taken three summer classes like three summers worth of classes um and i had the decision to take an online class in order to get my degree and i took the online craft class um and then i never handed in the work oh, and that no. was a lot of my own personal stuff uh the school system the school that i was in was actually tried to handle it very well tried to push me as much as possible but frankly it was my own choice And I ended up not doing that. And because I didn't turn in a single piece of paper for a year and a half, I didn't graduate until uh, the next year. Wow. Uh, So that's my own personal view on it. But that was and there's a lot of like my stuff there. But the fact that the schools like that is what is happening, that there was no other programs or anything like that that I could have done, that there was hoops I had to jump through that were so ingrained within the school system in order for me to get a degree is really interesting and I think a problem with our school system because it doesn't allow any student to act or learn outside of that system
1: mm-hmm. which teaches it tries us to be, how it tries to be one size fits all and um and, and like let's remember the ultimate yeah. point of the school system um you know in this country is to prepare you to work right and so that's why yeah. it's set up that way because um, are the when you get a job you're expected to do certain things and so it's it's kind of like it feeds into each other, right? Like the purpose of the school system is to prepare you to work. Therefore, they institute things that are not actually conducive to learning. They institute things that are not actually conducive to success because what they're really trying to do is teach you how to hold down a job, right? And so that's why they do those things. So it's not, it doesn't come from nowhere. Like the schools don't just decide this because they they legitimately think wrong things about how to learn best. They they do this because they're trying to prepare you for um, our working conditions in this country.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I think it's almost a hypocrisy though, because I think so many people don't say that. So yeah. many people view education as bettering Americans and bettering people, when in reality it's not.
1: Yeah, that's true. Oh um, my gosh, Sasha is here too. Hey. Oh my gosh. Oh, the whole go. whole whole RP needs to get in here. Um, y'all tell them I said that. <laughs> I can't believe you're awake, Sasha. You told me you'd never be awake this early for this. Okay. Anyways. Oh,
0: I like uh, with <laughs> Angelica. uh, yeah Angelica said train it trains you to survive off the very little free time and constant state of anxiety
1: you are 100% exactly thumper it's that's thumper she said earlier yeah but you were talking so you probably missed it yeah that's thumper um so yeah exactly but people don't say that people don't say that um and I do think that that's a real problem is there's a lot of dishonesty that goes on in the education system that tells Mm -hmm. you like you know this is how to learn and and that's just a lot of it is just bullshit it's just not true the truth is is that the elementary school and high school is designed so that you can become a good little worker one day that's the truth
0: yeah which i think but it also speaks so much to like
1: I was homework, smart, doesn't right? homework doesn't help. Homework um, doesn't help. Landon, I have like a whole take on that, but you tell me when it's appropriate for me to give my homework take. Oh, <laughs> but you yes, bumper. <laughs> homework is BS. <laughs>
0: well, and I think that's something that's nice, that there's a debate changing right now about whether homework should exist within, um, at least within uh, elementary and middle school. Yep. High school, people still want to because high school is, again, trying to push this narrative that it's preparing you for college, when realistically the system wasn't built that way. But True um oh, hi <laughs> Sasha uh sorry I saw my name and I was like oh someone's talking to me all of our friends out here <laughs> <laughs> that's their backing anyway uh if you want to go let's let's do this anti-homework tirade okay. because, frankly we both agree so okay
1: okay so here we go Um, I didn't realize I was anti-homework until I became a corporate trainer in my job, and there was never any reason, there is never any reason, excuse, I don't care what it is, there is no reason to assign people homework, there is no reason to assign people homework, if you cannot accomplish what you need to accomplish in your class time, then your syllabus is flawed, okay, like, the amount of hours that you sit in class and learn, people can only do that so much, okay? So I'm doing it for a corporate training first perspective, right? So eight yeah. hours a day, eight hours a day, you're supposed to be learning. People cannot sit and learn for eight hours a day. They can't, and absolutely nobody in the corporate training adult learning field believes that people can sit and learn for eight hours a day. So why the hell are we giving people homework so that they end up, you know, quote unquote, working, working eight hours? Because that's the point, that's the reason they give you homework. Like the real reason they give you homework in grade school is so that you're working eight hours, right? Because that's what we're doing, right? Remember, we're preparing you to go be a good little worker, right? So... Well, that's we the also- reason they give you homework but in the corporate world you're already doing the eight hours and i already know that you cannot learn eight hours of material i never ever had eight hours of material in my classrooms even when you were do even when i was doing trainings where it was like you were doing you were six weeks in the classroom before we let you on the job even when we were doing that i never had eight hours of actual learning a day. We would have maybe like six and a half or so hours. And when you factor in, and then you you have a bunch of breaks, right? You have a bunch of breaks. And everything was accomplished within class. Homework is BS. You cannot sit and learn for that many hours. There's just only so much new information the brain can take. And that's true no matter how old you are. So like, Mm -hmm. I hate this. I hate this concept of homework and that you have to do it and that it somehow matters, like, no, our expectations and syllabuses are flawed if you have to give homework then we're our our whole classroom curriculums are flawed from go so that's my homework take
0: so i think that i i agree with 90 percent of what you said i think that there is such thing as appropriate homework um what is appropriate homework it's telling a first grader to go home and read a book with their parents that's appropriate homework because there are certain aspects and of education and learning, especially in elementary school, that is repetition. Absolutely. It's reading. It's recognizing. And you can't do that for eight hours because they will not let you do that for eight hours. Right. If you've ever hung out with an eight-year-old, you understand that things last for ten minutes. Um, <laughs> but you still need to figure out how to make them read. So having having that sort of homework, I think, is a hundred percent acceptable. But that's the different. Is that's when that's get a pro- worksheet.
1: That's appropriate for the age, and the other big difference in elementary school when it comes to homework is you've got one teacher. So they know how much you've done in the classroom during that day and how much extra work it's going to be to do the homework, right? Whereas in high school, you have like four or five, six different teachers who aren't talking to each other and don't realize that now you've given these students four or five hours of homework in a night. Because they're not, yeah. it's not like that. You know what I mean? So like it's, that's, that's age appropriate, specific to that situation. And you have one teacher controlling it all. So they can actually, you know, assign appropriate levels of work.
0: I agree with that. As soon as, as soon as middle school starts, I think that's when homework gets uh, ridiculous because a hundred percent, why are people, why are students going home in science class? and having to do something that couldn't be discussed and done during the four hours of science they have that week.
1: Yeah, give them activity time in class. It's okay to say we're not lecturing today, we're doing an activity today. I do do that all the time in my classrooms. Do you know how rare it is a kid,
0: their their natural learning ability and natural state of learning is to read something and learn from it? Yeah. That's a that's a worked skill. That is a practiced and it's not something that is naturally inherent. You were not born with the ability to read something and then understand it. You had to practice it, which means that if you at any point in time because you have a um because you're dyslexic or you didn't have as much exposure to to reading when you were a kid or anything like that, along the way through your education, you suddenly find it so much harder to be able to read something and recite what it says mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's so frustrating that that is also 90 percent of what the homework is is like read this thing and then write a response. like no, just lecture your kids on
1: it. Yeah, anyway. no, we did that. Oh. All, and that's a, and for adult learners like this is a totally normal activity to do and say to say, hey, we're going to do this reading. The reading should take everybody about 20 minutes. Everybody, you know, raise your hand when you're done so that I know when you're done, when everybody's done, we're going to talk about it. Right. And then we yep. would have quiet time while people read for like 20 minutes. And that was considered appropriate classroom time it gave me time to answer my emails and stuff like that and there was never an expectation that like as adults you're supposed to be you're not supposed to spend classroom time you know doing these types of activities the expectation is you do that in class yep so some Um, comments some comments that i see that i want to call out um why is the amount of homework increased over the years training the wage slaves harder for the future. Well, we do know that productivity has increased and wages have not increased in this country. That is a fact. So I'm sure that's connected. I'm um, well, not going to comment too much more on that. But uh, but yeah, there's clearly a connection there.
0: Well, I actually think that homework increase over the years is related to what Thumper says, uh, that the amount of stuff kids need to know. Yeah. the The level of expectation of what a person learns in their academic career is so different than it was 50 years ago 30 years ago 10 years ago that's true uh education is only getting harder and harder and the tools to be able to learn it are getting smaller and smaller and so there is more work and more work that kids have to do and because of that they are expected to know more therefore they have
1: to do more homework that is true i think that's true yeah
0: Which is terrible. Yep. Um, So yeah, homework bad. When I'm a teacher, I won't do homework. That is a guarantee to all of you.
1: Well, we we hope, right? We hope because it's not it's not the individual teacher's fault, right? It's the system pushing them in that way. So so I just we hope you won't have to assign homework. But (laughs) if you find yourself having to assign homework, um, you know, I I would understand because I'm sure a lot of these teachers don't want to give homework and have to. Yes, it's a lot. Yeah. It is not. um so
0: very quickly back to because my story is not finished with education. Okay, yes. Um I am having a very different, but also similar experience in college. And that's being that trying to figure out the hoops that someone has to jump through in order to get a degree is extremely frustrating. <laughs> Um, I knew that they existed and they existed to make it so that be having a degree can be considered a rarity and a privilege and that you had to work for it. But the fact that it takes so much effort and you have to learn so many things about shit you don't need to know in order to just get a job is ridiculous. That's and that's true. all I really kind of wanted to say about college. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thumper says grad school is hoops to the tenth power. Man, I believe it. Sometimes well, I, I, mean... I think about going back to school, you know, because I really do like learning and, and uh and that sort of thing. But um but one, it's too expensive. So that's 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 the reality of what's holding me back. Oh, yeah. The other thing that's holding me back is just like just just the the amount of like stuff that has nothing to do with what I'd actually want to study is the other part of it.
0: Oh my god. The fact that all I wanna do is teach, and I'm talking Teach small children. I'm not talking teach Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And the, how much Shakespeare I had to read in order to get a degree to teach small children is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> so, um, what we have learned today is Landon has a huge hate boner for Shakespeare. Don't um, at her. No Shakespeare for Landon. <laughs>
0: any class. Any, any. Any Shakespeare and anything from the romance period, I don't need to read Frankenstein again. <laughs> I don't need to read anything. Oh, I like by That's a good No,
1: stop. <laughs> uh... I'm so sorry, but I have a similar a similar thought with um because I grew up in Alabama. We read To Kill a Mockingbird like four times. Like I read that book like four times, four different years during my middle school and high school career. Um, and it's a wonderful book, but don't talk to me about it. I don't wanna I don't wanna hear nothing um about To Kill a Mockingbird. (laughs) To be completely honest, if I could go through the
0: rest of my life without hearing the words Romeo and Juliet. Hamlet, To Kill a Mockingbird, or Catcher in the Rye, I would die happy. (laughs) Not because they're terrible books. They're well-written books, but I just... They need to stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of The Catcher in the Rye for similar reasons, too. Uh, It's just too much. It's just, like, too much.
0: But basically... The education. Well, I think also something that you were saying, um, as far as what the education system is, is to train us to be good workers. Yeah. We also need to acknowledge what the education system really is: is childcare.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's a lot of childcare
0: too. You, when the school system, when the when the universal school system within the United States it became into existence, it wasn't about what people had to learn. It had nothing to do with actually the kids at all. Uh, it was about that parents needed to go and plow the fields without worrying about their kids
1: killing themselves. Yeah, it's because they needed um, a spot to stick them during the day. Yeah. While they and did stuff that became, they needed to do.
0: And it became illegal for those places to be factories or yep. farms. So
1: it's because like if there they're was not child labor
0: be- Yeah, there was child labor before there was school. Yep. And so as soon as child labor became illegal... And it became they had to invent a place for those children to be so that the parents can work. Yep. And that's when they invented school. And so the pure, the pure reason that the school system exists is for childcare. Yep. Which is also what brings us into the fact that sorry, and this is my little rant, and we can we cannot discuss it for very long if we don't want to. You're but good. The fact that coronavirus oh gosh. is and they are pushing us to go back to school this fall is because 100% for that same reason of child care. No one has child care because of how the system is working. And therefore, we need to put the kids in school no matter whose lives it is risking.
1: You ain't wrong. And that's, it's disgusting. Yep. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's 100% what the situation is. Um, the reason why we want schools to reopen is so that we have a spot to, to stick the kids while the parents go back to work. Yeah. Because we've decided we're reopening no matter what
0: which is uh, just so terrible
1: yeah
0: i mean we spent <laughs> to, so many
1: we spent like a whole episode talking about the pandemic so i don't want to get get like too much onto that yeah but no. um but it's related so i do think it's worth a mention um and i think you're absolutely right well, uh I think you it, know
0: and i think it's so much more complicated than people are talking about too because for like without getting into it hugely but like the fact that yeah uh Thumper says there and says that DeVos will basically be willing to kill thousands of children mm. before uh, the economy dies. So it's just once again showing that the economy is more important than its people, mm-hmm. uh, that no one is thinking about any contracts. The fact that all of these teachers don't have in their contracts that they're willing to put their life on the line. And so every single teacher reunion has to redo contracts within the next month.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's impossible. Um, that's impossible, rewriting all those contracts and getting everyone to agree on them in that amount of time. It's Just straight impossible. up impossible. So, I uh, hear, uh, and I just,
0: I think that I think that if a teacher strike happened, it would be interesting. That's all I'm going to say on the subject.
1: <laughs> yes, it would. And I I would not be surprised if it became, if in a couple months when the schools, you know, start to reopen, you know, and I know it's different for every every uh, district and every situation, you know, based on what they have available. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some striking. I really wouldn't. We'll see, um,
0: but I also think it's incredibly difficult because you know uh with all other things happening and no guarantee of where paychecks are coming and no one's hiring, a strike could be incredibly devastating for a family that needs to feed its kids. yeah, yeah, uh, more so now than any other time. So That's I think tough that situation it, I think that this is just going to turn into and involve a very tough situation, but uh that it's all related to the fact that we need childcare, apparently,
1: yep woohoo yay um, yeah and that so, brings us up to the present in that our history does bring section up to the present. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so
0: I think the next topic that we wanted to kind of go into was this idea of education outside of the school system that yes. there is this there is this idea that you go to school to learn um, but I know for me I did most of my learning not in school mm-hmm. Um I did my learning through experience. And so I don't know if you have any examples of that, or if you have any ideas of how, like, there are some ways that we can learn outside of the school system.
1: Yes, so, um, you know, because I, because, you know, I, I ended up going into education, this, this it kind of happened on accident, but I ended up going to sort of an education type of field, um, you know, I have always valued learning like that has always been something that is incredibly valuable to me, even during the, the year and a half that I struggled and decided school was for losers. Right. It wasn't really about yeah. school being for losers. It was about our current system, not serving me in a way that I needed. Um, so even, even when it comes to, even when it comes to that, like I was still always interested in learning. Like I'm, I'm the nerd who will look at something nonfiction, you know, and, and you can totally tell this when you look at my, um, at my youtube subscriptions like i absolutely love educational channels like um pbs and discovery both have a ton of educational channels on youtube and i'm subscribed to so many of them and i watch so many of their videos you know and just i I feel like for me i'm not mentally healthy if i'm not regularly um learning New things, so I am always trying to find new pieces of information and new things that I think are interesting and and new things you know that I find enriching, and um, and I and I think when when I'm not learning, when I'm not like taking in new information, then um, then I really suffer, and then to relate it back to to role play, I feel like a critical part of the role playing experience for me is researching and i don't i can't imagine like i can't imagine role playing without you know having to google things every so often because i (laughs) want to write something that i don't know enough about because that's the whole appeal right is to to do something that i'm not going to do in real life Yeah, go ahead.
0: You mean you don't don't inherently know which, you know, sniper gun to use to kill someone? Man,
1: no. And I had to look into all (laughs) of that stuff, you know, for Abby to make sure that that I, you know, was writing something that it was was at least semi-plausible, right? Not that I actually think anybody who knows, like, how to snipe someone's going to read it and judge me, right? But I don't want to be writing stuff just to write stuff. Like, I I, want to write stuff because... It helps me, you know, understand others and grow empathy and and experience things that I wouldn't otherwise experience. So, um, so for me, research is is like just such a huge part of role play. And then to relate yeah. it to to like my job um, as as a corporate trainer, I'm often training things that I have no idea about. They're not my area of expertise. I don't know what I'm doing. And so my, um, my role in that is to be a researcher, to go learn the basics and, and learn from the experts in, in what it is that people tend to miss and figure out how to take that information, right, and package it in a way that um, normie that's never seen this information can, um, can digest it and, and learn from it and all of those things. So, like, I'm constantly learning new stuff both for the roleplay channel that I'm, that I'm doing on YouTube, for the actual roleplays that I'm doing and in my job. And I just could not imagine living any other way. I really couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. I think,
0: well, like for me, I, I think that what school, one of the really like terrible things school did for me was teach me what is education and what is learning and that's things like reading books and knowing facts and this that and the other thing when really experiences themselves are incredibly important to learning
1: absolutely Uh,
0: that you that in order for me to understand emotional like uh, emotional situations, uh, when talking about characters and things like that, I don't know what it's like to lose a child, right? I have never had that sort of grief. But being able to go and research and learn and educate myself about what happens to the body, to the brain, to the emotional reaction, to other characters or people who have gone through this, being able to have that sense of oh, this has happened to people before. Let's figure out how to make this realistic to my character is incredibly important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sasha, don't hold back those jokes. They might be hilarious. And we want and we want to read them if they are. (laughs) Me doing tons of stupid shit. I'm doing research. Yeah, that's true, though. It's actually true. It's kind of true. Sometimes you just you just want to know firsthand. And no, I I don't think that anybody should go out actually doing things that are going to harm themselves or going to have like any kind of long term negative effects. But sometimes you do need to have a certain amount of experiences before you can really write a certain topic. Like that's legit. And that's true. Through. like there's certain well, things that it, that if you can't experience it you're just not going to be able to write it in a way that someone that has experienced it can write it well the basic
0: number one rule of how to write is write what you know yeah. right that's what every English professor creative writing teacher person who I mean I think you even in your yeah. YouTuber in your YouTube series said that like where do you start you write with, with what you know how yeah. could you write with with insistence and knowledge on things that you have no clue about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so I think that that is the incredibly like important piece of role play is to do research, is to push yourself and learn. Yeah. Um,
1: and write. And, and I, I think d- that the ways. Is... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna. I was actually gonna backtrack very slightly to what you said about how experiences um yeah. you know is really what taught you and and i think that that's really super true so i'm gonna say something that i i shouldn't say i'm gonna we're gonna peek behind the curtain um and some Uh-oh. things that you shouldn't y'all, y'all shouldn't know um but uh watching my videos isn't actually gonna help you be a better role player it's not true it's not um all i'm doing all i'm doing in my videos is setting your expectations so that you have the knowledge to be able to go have the experiences to become a better role player. Watching my videos isn't gonna make you a better role player. I can't do that for you. All I'm doing is giving lectures so that you have things to think about and you have things to go try. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. Um, So yeah, uh, if you wanna be a better role player, the videos aren't, aren't really gonna make you do that. They're just gonna set your expectations. That's all I'm doing. Well,
0: I think they also point you down the path of where to go, too,
1: right? Well, yeah, I think that's it. That's the point, right? That's what we're yeah. trying to do. Is that you sit there and you go, how do you, how do you start? It's a starting point. Yes, it's a starting um, point. But that's all it can ever be. That's all it can ever be. It can, the, watching the videos is not putting in the work. The only way you're actually going to become a better YouTube or better uh, role player is to put in the work in role play.
0: Well, I think that's kind of everything, right? The only way you're going to become better at anything is to do the work. So the only way that you're going to understand a character more or be able to write this character better is to put in the work, to learn yourself, to learn, to educate, to understand all the complexities with a character or a world even. Like, I think that's also a huge part of it that we're not talking about is world building. You need, in order to like understand mob dynamics there was research that
1: needed to be done about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in, in regards to the current role play um, that we're that we're doing. Where you know, I asked a lot of questions because I just never role played or really researched the stuff before, and mob stuff just wasn't really my thing. But um, but there was a lot of a lot of work in there in those initial stages. Absolutely. There's a couple couple of funny comments. Um, Thumper says, "This is the work that Britney Spears was singing about." That's right. (laughs) Um, And then um, and then Sasha says, "What do you mean watching people exercise isn't the same thing as lifting weights?" Right? Like exactly. (laughs) I mean, I'm saying that. Pretty sure it is. I mean, I'm saying that like it's and it's obvious, but at the same time, like I'm saying it because I know there are people out there that believe that because they watch my videos, they're good role players, and it's like. Well, those things are correlated, but that ca- the causation isn't there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I for,
0: so for context, for those of you who are watching the vod or listening or anything like that, uh, we have the lovely pl- pleasure of writing with Sasha and Thumper in uh, Atlantis, and they are the jokesters. So there's lots of jokes happening on the screen, <laughs> I am sure.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and they'll see it on the they'll see it on the vod. Um, oh. But good. Uh, yeah, so they'll they'll see it like pop up before I call it out. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But, well, yeah. And I mean, to to kind of not relate it to role play, but to relate it to my life, right? I learned, I did the most learning in my life the two semesters I was abroad. Mm. That is, I went abroad uh, to teach in Tanzania for one semester. And then I also did a uh, multi-country visit. And I learned more about people and the world doing that than I ever could sitting behind a a book, sitting behind a book or a computer screen or anything like that. And I understand that that is an incredible privilege that I had to be able to do that. But going out and doing things, meeting people, understanding cultures, interviewing, talking to people are all things that can happen around you right now that could open your your views on how things are viewed and because of that will also then open more doors to other subjects that you didn't even know were related.
1: Right, like maybe you can't travel, right? Because that is is something that takes a lot of money and a lot of time that most people do not have. But what you can do is look up, you know, vloggers and bloggers in those other areas that are talking exactly. about their experiences. You know, because because of the, the internet, the state that the internet is in right now, you can find whatever kind of perspective you want from whatever kind of person you want. Like, it's all out there. It's just a Google search away, you know? So, um, so all of that well, stuff is, is available. All of that stuff is available if you just take the time to look for it and you take the time to talk to the right people.
0: And not to get all self-helpy and stuff like that, but... Situations that make us uncomfortable are also because of situations we don't understand. Absolutely. So you can also solve a lot of the issues that you are like uncomfortable with certain aspects or certain ideas especially in the political climate being able to have those conversations and seek answers and educate yourself outside of what our realm of education is can solve that confusion. It might not change your opinion, but at least you won't be uncomfortable or confused by things because you understand how people are thinking or working or what ideas are, are around and existing.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can understand like wh- how people come to those those types of conclusions and things exactly. like that and how people live in those ways that, that you're not understanding and all that good stuff.
0: And that's all part of education, right? That's all part of educating yourself and learning how to be a better person, citizen, or even just a person of this world. Like it's it's all part of that.
1: Yeah. So, um, so Sasha has a good comment of something that. Um that we can touch on with this because it's very true. So she says, I will briefly say that it's much riskier to self-educate these days because I think a lot of people aren't trained in are trained in media literacy. Yeah, a lot of people are not trained in media literacy. And I think that this kind of goes back to um, to a comment and that I know we eventually want to talk about, so we might circle back to it, or, or now if you tell yep. me that's cool, Landon. But something, something that I think our education system does not prepare us for is basic problem solving, critical thinking, and troubleshooting skills. Like it just doesn't. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of of issues happen because because we don't teach people that at a young age, then they they really struggle to actually develop the research skills that are that are needed to go find the information that they're looking to find without stumbling upon stuff that's truly um, you know false or or in worst case scenarios harmful. Um, and I think that that is. That is something that, uh, that really it goes back to how our education system is there to, to yeah. is designed to train you to become a worker. And so we don't really spend a lot of time training you on how to properly think and solve problems because we don't want you to do that. We just want you to go to work and do what your boss tells you and then go home. You know, so so without those skills, um, researching can be difficult. Well, without <laughs> yeah, getting reading too... comprehension is hard. Yes, reading comprehension is hard. It is
0: 100% <laughs> hard. And without getting to like conspiracy theory, too, but we don't necessarily want a country full of people who can actively think and problem solve for themselves because then it becomes the, the people's whose job it is to do that becomes significantly harder because more people can do that job.
1: Well, I'm not so sure about that. I think that if we had more people that could do a lot of that thinking on their own, then it would be easier for those people because then they could pass on the more true information, right? Whereas what happens right now is that there's so many people out there just grifting, giving false information. And the reason they're able to do that is because nobody knows how to think, right? Nobody knows how to problem solve, you know what I mean? So I think that that not teaching people that kind of makes makes the the lives harder of those that are trying to get out the the true information that's, that's really good.
0: I'm, I, I think that yes and no, it makes their lives harder. But I think that's because of the invention of the internet. If we're looking at the education system as a whole, and how long it's been in place, when W was in, in charge, that the internet wasn't that big of a problem. Yeah, not Mis- really. False information, when the idea of of really solidifying not problem solving and solidifying teaching to a test with no child left behind, uh that that is when that really was solidified within our country. And because of that, the internet or during that time, the internet wasn't really spread with as much misinformation as it is now. I would argue that within the last 10 years is really probably even like six years is really Mm -hmm. when the like wildfire of hey by the way if you read it on the internet it doesn't mean it's true kind of existed
1: yeah and I think that we that we do need we need to take some radical steps to adjust to this new reality because it's not going away anytime soon like we're not going to get rid of the internet it's not going to stop so like we have to adjust to that that reality where now we all have to be excellent researchers just to just to survive
0: Well, I also think it's going to get worse way before it gets better, because also think of the things that are available to people. They -hmm. can now publish themselves, like in books, people can write vast, terrible theories and that are filled with inaccuracy and half-truths. Publish that on any self-publishing website or, you know, Amazon or anything like that and then it's published. Yep. It's a fact of record. It is then more legitimized because of that. Yep. And that's incredibly scary. So it's not even just I mean that has to do with the internet a little bit making that so much easier, but it's not even just the internet that that stuff is happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that the the internet and the quickness with which stuff spreads now changes a lot of things. Um, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And and uh, and change is hard, and change is scary. So I know there's like a lot of people out there that um, that you know they think we can we can just keep going on with what we with what we have right now, and we clearly can't. Like we can't. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, we can't
0: for for multiple reasons, one being that the education system isn't really teaching anything anymore. It's or it's not it's not letting you be a critical thinker. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not asked or taught those skills until college, which is hidden behind a paywall. Yep. And a paywall of privilege that a lot of people can't access.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thumper, that that's like some really that so that's like the really interesting contrast, right? Is that, um, is that academic publishing kind of has the the opposite problem because it's kind of gated to to the elite um, and to to you know older people that have been in this for a long time. It's really hard to get even true ideas through if those true ideas um, go against accepted norms and values. Right. Um, So that that's like that's like the problem in the opposite direction. Right. Like it's it's too it's too closed off. So then if an idea turns out to be new and true, but it kind of like rocks uh, the current status quo, then they also don't want you to 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 talk about it. But it's like that's just messed up. Um, You know, you should be able to get your ideas out there. But the, the what ended up the Internet, which allowed everybody to get their ideas out there also opened up the floodgates for a lot of people to put out just totally harmful, wrong ideas that are that are, that are are hurting us now.
0: Sambar, I think what you said uh, is extremely important as far as therefore the elite uh, and the biased people get to dictate what is considered correct. And you are 100% true, which yeah. like, and that's in behind a paywall as well, is, is that there's this idea of because you are part of the secret club of academics, that you are inherently right, which if you are an expert in something, you belong within that club. I agree, but it also makes it extremely impossible to access any of the information that is coming from that club without
1: being part of that club. Yep.
0: Which kind of leaves the lower class or the lower or the people who are unaware without a clue of what's going on.
1: Yeah, it really sucks. And yeah, so I mean, we we have this whole mistrust of academics, and that's what you're touching on with that with that comment. Um, and, uh, and, and in a way, like I get it, like I, I get why people wouldn't want to trust academics, even though they, um, even though they have the, a lot of times the more researched information, the more correct information, things like that. Um, but, uh, but in reality, like it all goes back, it all goes back to like our, our systems and how they interwork and the way that the internet is disrupting that. And we just aren't, we just aren't prepared for it. We just aren't prepared for it.
0: Yeah. Whoever opened the can of worms that was the internet had no idea of how (laughs) this would affect
1: the world (laughs) we didn't know
0: (laughs) in positive ways and and negative ways i am extremely grateful that in order to figure out what brand of poison i need to kill someone via character we're talking real we're not talking real life we're talking character uh (laughs) i'm a google (laughs) search away from that whereas before i'd probably have to have like a book about it in my library you'd
1: have to go to the library amazing (laughs) yeah that's true what are those? Libraries? I don't know, man. Haven't been in one of those, um, in how many months now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're going on 147 days. So oh I just actually made that number up. So it's, I think it's around there, but I don't I know. That don't sounds know. right. I don't
1: know. <laughs> We're going to go
0: with it. I know False that, information
1: spreading. I know that the first day that I was told don't come into the office, work from home was March 16th, I think, or whatever Monday was close to that. It was somewhere around there, like mid-March. And I think it was March 16th, Monday, March 16th, I think. Um, or, or something close to that, if I'm wrong on that yeah. exact date. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot it's minute. Been a, it's been a little while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah, I think that the uh, the concept of of being able to be a critical thinker and um, ask questions and and know how to truly read things without without spewing the facts or looking for answers and then being able to explore upon your findings is something that not a lot of people have access to or the ability to do, which yeah. is inherently, as as both of us consider ourselves educators, um, inherently sad to me.
1: Yeah, so I, <laughs> that me kind like... of, it is sad, but I think it's because we like, we talk out of both sides of our mouths in a way. So this is another thing that I want to bring up in regards to this topic is um, convergent versus divergent thinking, right? Yes. So these are two different Um, problem-solving, troubleshooting techniques, right? So convergent thinking is essentially... Like, when you have a list of possible solutions and you do a bunch of things to try to determine which of those, like, I don't know, 10 solutions or whatever is the actual solution to your problem. Um, this is super, super useful for things like troubleshooting computers because a, a computer is, is, you know, designed. So there's only going to be so many possible solutions before you, before you reach whatever is, is true about what's happening with that computer because it's programmed, right? um so that's kind of convergent thinking and then divergent thinking is when you're told think outside the box so divergent thinking is when your problem is something like draw me a house and there's a lot of different ways to draw a picture of a house and none of them are exactly right and none of them are exactly wrong and um and it's up to interpretation so you're you're just you're just as much you know trying to figure out uh, you know, just picking, uh, picking away and, and making it work as opposed to like picking, you know, the right way. And we spend a lot of time in our education system telling people to think outside the box and to be creative and to have new ideas. But the reality is we don't, we don't actually encourage that. The reality is we encourage convergent thinking. Um, and, and these two things, like these aren't bad, like convergent versus divergent thinking. It's not like one's good and one's bad. They're just two different ways to approach problems um but we are we are so into the idea of convergent thinking that we don't like we don't ever use divergent thinking to the point that i think a lot of times when we do use divergent thinking when someone does get creative we get very uncomfortable we get very uncomfortable with like oh this is not what i expected oh wait is this the right answer and it's like (laughs) I don't know. Does it actually solve the problem? If it does, does it really matter if it's right? In some cases it, it doesn't, in some cases it doesn't, right? So yeah, exactly. Thumper says, um, be creative, but not too creative. I think that's that's a lot of you know what we expect of people. We expect them to, to be creative, but somehow still work within the status quo, which like if you're using a lot of um, divergent thinking, then you're going to be moving outside of the status quo very quickly because that's how you become and be creative um so so that that whole like how we solve problems by in this in this country and encouraged by our education system and our working system to do that is to, to only use convergent thinking and like never use divergent thinking because that's the reality of what we actually encourage people to do regardless of what we say um we end up with people that can't properly problem solve that, that they believe that the answers are on this list and if it's off of the list then it's not a possible answer and i shouldn't even try it and and that i feel like is really what Hurts us in a lot of these things that we talk about, with like not having good reading comprehension and not having good problem-solving skills, and da 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 It's because we we beat divergent thinking out of people in our school systems. We really do.
0: Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it is. Look at multiple-choice answers, right? Yeah. We're taught like I know that that's small and it, it doesn't reflect the whole thing, but it's it's a very clear example of the answer is one of these four things. Yep. Or like period, of it, end of story.
1: Or like how um, how math classes tell you you have to show your work. Like, I get why math classes tell you have to show, show your work because they want to make sure that, that you didn't just guess, right? But at the same time, like there's sometimes multiple ways to solve the same math problem. And in school, you get deducted points if you do it a different way than what the teacher taught you. And that's not right. Like, I don't like that. That's not right. Because it tells people that there is a right answer, instead of just getting an answer that works. Um, And I wish there was more emphasis on find an answer that works, and less emphasis on find the one right answer.
0: Yeah. Well, it also exists in the the idea, this is a very small uh, example that I have from my own math class this last semester that I was taught one way to solve a multiplication problem. We're talking like, you know, 176 times 538. I was taught one way on how to solve that Mm -hmm. um, when I was in elementary school and I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I struggled through it, which is why I use a calculator to solve 90% of my math problems. Mm -hmm. But then last semester when I'm teaching when i'm when i'm learning how to teach math i find out that there are five six different ways to solve it and that was never made available to me because there was a right or correct way on doing it which sucks like the fact that even as a even as a fourth fifth grader i didn't even know that there were other possibilities and i failed because i didn't i didn't have access to those other possibilities
1: yep And I mean, I really didn't learn how to do math until I I got into the working world, right? Until I got into the working world and was faced with real math problems that I had to solve because I had to solve them to accomplish something in my job, right? So um, so I really didn't learn math until after school. I suffered through it as, as best as I could um you know to pass but uh but i really didn't know what i was doing most of the time and i do believe it's it's a lot of because i was told here's this abstract problem no context around it a lot of times and then you have to solve it in this one and only way and you can't do anything else and I do think that that really, really hurt me when it came to math and is part of why math was my worst subject. I'm not actually bad at math, as it turns out. I'm actually pretty darn good at math and pretty good at thinking about numbers when I'm not forced into this one little box to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that is a huge problem. Like, I think this kind of just relates back to the school system and everything like that. Standardization is important, right? We want to make sure that we are all have access to the same um, education and the same tools and everything like that. And so that's necessary within yeah. schools
1: district. Like it's good for a population system. to all have a similar working knowledge pool. So that yeah. you can reasonably assume that other people know similar things that you do. Like that's useful. Like, so, but it also just throws
0: everyone into a box to sit there and be like, Oh, This is because this is the acceptable way on how to teach it because everyone can understand it this way. We can't be outside of this box. Yep. And therefore you have to learn inside of this box, even though there's so much more to education than that exactly but this is the important stuff and that is incredibly disheartening
1: yeah so thumper says there can be more than one tool exactly and I really yeah. did not learn that until I started doing um, troubleshooting uh, in a software uh, software troubleshooting call center when I started working and I started having to like actually solve problems all the time every single day um, and and I would say you know for if if you're kind of listening to this and you and you this you feel like this speaks to you right and you're like oh my gosh I'm not as creative as I really want to be a lot of times I do get myself stuck in what is the right answer as opposed to what is an answer that accomplishes what i want to accomplish and um, my advice to you actually would be a book called the art of troubleshooting it's a free book and you can google it Um, it's good good seo so if you google the art of troubleshooting you'll find it and um and this is the book that um that we used at one of the companies that i worked for to build a troubleshooting and problem solving course so everything that that i learned about it and that we ended up designing is based off of that book and um and it is a wonderful tool that teaches you really about how to think and how to problem solve in a way that utilizes both convergent and divergent thinking when it's appropriate now i don't it's been a really long time since i've actually read the book but i don't think he actually talks about it in terms of convergent or divergent thinking it's it's not like an academic book or anything it really is like like a real life problem solving book Um, so he doesn't talk about it in that academic way, but, you know, since the learning that I've done since then has shown me that really is what he's talking about. He, what he's really teaching you to do in this book is when to use convergent and when to use divergent thinking and, and, and what the, you know, really good problem solvers and troubleshooters do to actually accomplish that. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book, highly recommend it to anybody who feels like they're struggling with, um, with always trying to get the right answer instead of just trying to get the answer that works.
0: Yeah. It's it's good to know, because I think that is an important skill that as writers, we also need to understand mm-hmm. and, and, ha- and break free of. I think that I think a lot of this idea of right and wrong ways to get there or to develop something or to plan something um, is harmful. Be, yeah, it's harmful and we could just be better writers and creatives in general if we were able to break out of that box
1: yeah because we're putting words on paper right like that's all we're really doing and so there is no right way there's no right way um you know because you're you're only limited by however many words you know right um so there there is never going to be like a right answer of how to write something or how to craft something or anything like that um so you know i think i think that when it when it comes to writing and role playing. You know, getting getting stuck in that pattern of there are right answers to things is very, very harmful.
0: Yeah, I am to kind of go off of that, too. I think Thumper and Sasha are having an interesting back and forth that uh, Thumper said, I am very good with divergent thinking right up until it involves social interaction because people have secret rules. Mm. And Sasha says they aren't secret if you just know how to study them very hard. Um, <laughs> I
1: think it takes practice, <laughs> right? It takes practice, just like it everything takes else. Practice.
0: And I think, but I think what uh, Thumper is saying is completely justified. That's right. Social interactions are so much harder because they, there are like this idea of secret rules and, and the divergence of what is right and right and wrong versus like, because there's so many layers to people as far as like what is culturally acceptable and mm-hmm. all of these things. And, and then what you have to take personally. their pers-
1: yeah. And they take their personal history into account. And like, and it just like, takes time. It takes people. And here to in the United States,
0: it's like, and here in the United States, it's like, okay, what is culturally acceptable within the United States? What is mm-hmm. culturally acceptable within their state that they're at? What is culturally acceptable within the relationship that I have with this person? Yeah. And what is also acceptable uh, <laughs> as far as what this person wants?
1: Yeah. So I mean, even though, like, to, to the state comment, I just want to touch on that because, like, we we are one country, but like anybody who lives here can tell you we're not. We're really 50 countries that no. all try to pretend yeah. that we're one country. <laughs> I would argue that anyone who's lived in multiple that New states England's... knows that. <laughs> I would
0: would argue that new england is all one uh state as long as you uh as long as you leave out connecticut because we don't know she's the ugly stepsister
1: i know nothing about connecticut so i'm gonna pretend like that's hilarious (laughs) um no context don't know what you're talking about
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then the city of new york is different than the state of new york so we're actually like a hundred different countries a hundred different countries in one country yeah um but yeah exactly what is what is culturally okay within the standard within the idea of like north carolina is very different from what is okay in maine yep. or colorado or california it's a and, lot
1: and my advice when it comes to social interaction so you know since it was asked let, let me just address that um lurk more like the rules of the internet yeah. mostly are bs but that one actually is a very good rule that i i hate that we keep forgetting it in our modern online um discourse but uh but people need to lurk more like you don't when you first come into a shoot i was talking and i've got distracted Anyway, when you first come into a community, you often don't know what is socially acceptable within that community. And the only way you're going to learn is by just watching them for a minute, you know, just watch how they interact, ask questions. Don't seek to put, you know, your two cents in at first and um, and then just kind of like, you know, go from there. And, And you can figure out what you need to figure out by just taking a moment to observe and be the question asker instead of the question answerer. Yeah.
0: I also think it's extremely important to understand, and this obviously will not cure anxiety or any social interaction or anything like that, but, um, you have your own secret rules too. Yes. So the person sitting across from you in the coffee shop on the other side of the chat, who knows, uh, is just as nervous and just as trying to figure out your secret rules as they are, as you are trying to figure out theirs and that there's a lot yeah. of forgiveness between two people because that's what happens. Faux pas happen. There are jokes that I say that just don't land.
1: Oh, yeah. and <laughs> I mean, I've pissed some people off before, like, really, really hurt them. And I thought yeah. it was just a joke, but it wasn't for them. You know, and I didn't know that. And then by the time it comes out your mouth, it's too late. And the best you can do is say, I'm really, really sorry. But, you know, and hope they forgive you. But that's on them. Like, they don't have to, <laughs> you know. But that's happened to me, too. I,
0: I think that there's, <laughs> a, there's also the conversation has kind of continued in the chat about social anxiety and awkwardness. And um, I think that this is just trying to. I social having social anxiety is is something I think separate that is a lot of a lot heavier than what we're talking about. I think most people are very nervous to interact with new
1: people. Oh, I think so too. Um, but you know what? That would be a really great stream topic. So, I mean, y'all are welcome to continue oh, yeah. chat. Continue in the chat, whatever, that's fine. But um, but I think that probably Landon and I will leave that topic there. But, um, but I think we should add it to our future possible stream topics, social, social awkwardness in, in online and role-play communities specifically. Because oh. that's a whole thing that we could really get into, don't you think?
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I am perfectly capable of socializing with everybody. Yeah. Anyway.
1: I mean, perfect. <laughs> perfect in every way all the time, right? That is my <laughs> brand.
0: I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so very quickly, um, back to education. We discussed like ways to learn outside of the school system. What are ways that we as educators can teach outside of the school system? How can we, and even as people, how can we... Uh, make sure that people are getting the correct information when there's a lot of misinformation being spread yeah. across the United States. How can we do that so, in different ways that are just not go read this article?
1: Yeah, right. Because just sending people a bunch of links, that's pretty off-putting, right? And, and it really doesn't, at least I have not had good success with that. Well, Maybe it's, sending it's one link is good, but like when you when you barrage someone with a lot of information that they can't process, like it becomes overwhelming and they kind of shut down.
0: Well, and it's also literally the same thing as like, here, have some homework. Yeah, like me sitting is. there and sending you the link is like, oh, I expect you to learn this and then give me a response to give me a 500 word response onto this article. It's like, no, that's not how this is going to work.
1: Yeah. So what I think is really important when you're trying to like, if you're trying to help someone learn, um, or you've taken that on, or they've asked you a question that you decide you want to answer, things like that. I think what's most important, or at least what I've found is most important, is providing people safe spaces to be wrong. I think that being scared of being wrong or being scared of being socially ostracized because of your wrong opinion or being punished because of your wrong opinion in some way or whatever um i i think that that is where i found the most success is is when i have been able to successfully navigate the social situations that the other person feels safe and that wrongness is not a threat So, so admitting when I'm wrong, I think is really helpful in actually cultivating that. I think you know, not attacking them when they are wrong, and just instead asking questions and being gentle with them when they are wrong is really helpful with that. Um, You know, techniques like that. So if you can, if you can figure out how to allow someone to feel like when they're wrong, it's okay and it's still safe, then you have done a huge amount of the work in uh in fostering an environment that's appropriate for learning
0: i agree um treat it with kindness too like like basically what you said is treat them with kindness have a conversation um i think also assuming i go into conversations like that where i'm educating someone or i think someone needs to be educated also being very aware that i am not going to be 100 percent right yeah. i might think that i'm 100 percent right and i'm not saying that my opinion has to change But there could be room for growth. They could say something that I'm completely unaware of. And I can't just shoot them down and expect them to listen to me if if I'm going to like expect them. And I can't shut them down and expect them to listen to me if I'm not going to pay them the same courtesy. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Now, just a little caveat, because we're talking about online discourse. There are bad actors out there that, um, that are, that they're not trying to learn. They're just trying to waste your time. Right. So, so I'm the, we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the people that are genuinely trying to learn something or are genuinely looking for help. Not the people that pretend like they're trying to learn something when in reality, they're just trying to waste your time. And I know it is like freaking impossible to tell the difference. (laughs) I know it's impossible to tell the difference until you're like in the middle of the conversation, already having the conversation and it's too late. Right. But, um, but just to be clear, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about, people that really do want to learn
0: I don't think that that is too late at that point right because you can't tell the difference So you sitting can't. there and, <laughs> and you recognize where your boundary is and how much energy you have to allocate to this situation yeah and when you reach that point and you recognize that it's not going anywhere or the discourse is turning um in a direction that you don't want it to turn then you have every every right to sit there and be like you know what I'm not here for this right now or I'm going to close this chat or I'm going to just eat it out of here. Yeah, like, you have every opportunity you have every valid reason to do that. Yeah, I think it's care.
1: it's okay to say like like I'm sorry this was way deeper than I thought it was when I started this conversation. I I I'm out of this conversation now. Like I think that is a totally valid.
0: Or just sitting there and being like I can see that we are not going to come to an agreement. Yep. Bye. Yeah. Like just it doesn't even have to be anything. I can see that this is going nowhere. Bye.
1: Yeah. And you know, if if you're if you're in a space that's more of like a social media space and not really like a community space, um, the block button is your friend. Use it. Like oh, you're not so a bad true. person for blocking people. You're not evil for blocking people. You're not admitting faults or 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 conceding wins to them by blocking them. You are you are a person with only so much time and so much energy, and only you know when you have reached your capacity. So block is yeah. your friend. Don't be scared of it. Is <laughs> my other piece of advice there?
0: <laughs> I think I think also it's important to talk about like how to relate this to uh this particular situation and stuff like that within role play yeah that there is like the united states is a country with a culture role plays will have their culture especially group role plays and if you're if whatever you want to educate that group about does not want to be educated that is not the group for you
1: yeah Maybe you just need to find a different group. Maybe you just need to find a different role play partner. And there's like so many out there. Like there's so many groups out there. There's so many role players out there. I mean, this is a niche hobby, but also because it the the bar to entry is so low, there's so many people out there. I do not think it's worth wasting time on people that you ultimately don't jive with. You know, like life is short. Find Find partners you like, <laughs> you know? Yeah
0: find partners you like um and also find a community that you like 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 we kind of talked about last week as far as villains and and, uh how how tumblr got very anti that was the culture that tumblr turned into Mm -hmm. we didn't view it as wrong uh we didn't view that or we didn't view what we were doing as wrong we didn't view what they were insisting upon as correct so we just left and found somewhere else
1: yep exactly Like, cause I, cause there's no, I can't change a whole culture. You know, I can't change a whole culture. I know there's people out there that believe like what I'm trying to do with my, my my videos, my roleplay help videos is to like influence roleplay or change roleplay. Like I'm not (laughs) just to be clear, I'm not. Um, And so, yeah, you know, that's when it comes to like Tumblr roleplay in particular and how things got there. um, It just, it became obvious that it was not the place for us. And so we found another place that was safer for us.
0: I think there's also a lot of difficulty right now navigating it of um as an ally what is your responsibility to educate
1: oh yeah that's Uh, a good question
0: and sitting there and being like and I think this kind of ties into this is that there is only so much you can educate there are people in the real world just like an RP that will not want to be educated
1: yeah unfortunately which and, is hard for and, me as a lifelong learner to understand, but it's it's yeah. the truth.
0: <laughs> it's, well, and that's that is just what's difficult, right? Is that you and I really enjoy the idea that we can continue to learn and grow and challenge our thinking and the what and what we know and our knowledge. Yeah. But there are people who are completely content with what they have learned and yeah. don't need to learn anything else because it doesn't affect them.
1: Whereas for me, I'm like, I want to hear your crazy hot take because what if there's something valuable in there that I could learn? Yeah.
0: Or what if, I mean, and also too, I'd love to hear your crazy hot take because now I know how to argue, now I can better prepare how to argue your crazy hot take.
1: Yeah. Like uh, if you don't agree with
0: it. Are interested in, in participating in discourse. So I can yeah. use that and understand that logic. Yeah. So it's, it's a difficult situation to navigate, that I think kind of, it all ties into one another. You're going to find people who disagree with you and you're going to want to educate them because that's what we tend to want to do yep
1: but it's and not always reasonable it's not always it is not
0: worth the effort sometimes
1: it's really <laughs> not
0: so all right um you, but you mentioned this wonderful word that it's kind of been what we've been going around as far as us as lifelong learners
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um we've been talking about how you we continue to do it as far as researching but what are some other ways that we can continue to be lifelong learners is it just about like researching or is there other other areas that we can do this to?
1: So I think it's also about a state of mind and always being open to new information. And um, and like I talked about when you're trying to do some of the educating, you wanna leave space for people to be wrong. I think that part of being a lifelong learner is allowing yourself space to be wrong. Um, because if you, if you believe you're right all the time, then you got nothing else to learn, right? But knowing and knowing in your heart and knowing in your soul that that's not the case and that you are wrong, too, um, really opens the floodgate to being in the correct mindset for being a lifelong learner. So if you can if you can get your thought patterns into that, I think that it is super helpful um, to make yourself interested in doing the actual work and research that you do to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Sasha says, I will be wrong until I die. That's the adventure. Yeah, I agree. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly that.
0: And I think because we talked about, we have this idea that like, there is a right and wrong answer. It becomes with this, like, this right is right and wrong is wrong and it is black and white. And that is, and if you are wrong, you are bad. When in reality, you can be wrong and it be okay. I think that's something that people need to acknowledge that like, oh, what I thought at 16 was wrong. In fact, Edward Cullen terrible boyfriend i was wrong and i got to learn from that and grow from it it. back bringing it back (laughs) that's what i try to do full circles on these
1: uh podcasts yeah true true right like um you know when you when you look back when you look back and you can analyze something with new information you know we don't we don't come out the womb knowing these things like that would be nice that would be nice if i came out the womb you know knowing everything that i ever needed to know and being woke as hell and all this stuff but it's just not It's just not the case it's just not the case nobody lives like that and um and i don't and i don't think that that you should be feeling you know i don't i don't think that it's that it's super complicated right like if you realize you thought something harmful then yeah that sucks to learn that you are causing that harm but i think it's it's okay take some comfort in knowing that that's literally everybody we have all yeah. had those moments our whole lives and you're going to get through it just like you got through it the last time it happened just like everyone else has gotten through it and and you and the best you can do is just is do better in the future you know like and the past is the past it's there to learn from but you can't there's no no one's invented time travel yet like no one's invented time mm-hmm. travel yet that'll be cool one day maybe when we do but no one has and so we just do our best to do better tomorrow
0: yeah and and uh know that you are doing good by educating yourself yeah or but, know that someone else is doing good by educating you
1: yeah like the effort the effort at the end of the day is is really important um because you're going to make mistakes and that's inevitable
0: yep uh, well i think this has been re- we got a we got a couple of minutes so i was wondering if uh sasha and thumper had any hot takes in the chat but i think overall that we kind of covered everything we needed
1: too Okay. So, um, just kind of as an end cap then to relate it back to, to role play and touch on some of the points, um, that were role play specific, you know, since we are role play and writing help primarily is, um, is it's okay to be wrong. Don't, don't stress about it. We all do it sometimes. It's not a big deal. Who cares if you role played that thing wrong one time you're right. Do it again later with, you know, with somebody else or whatever, and, and do it right. The next time it's fine. Um, also I think, you know, researching is important and, and I think it's important in these, uncertain times right now where there's a lot of misinformation out there that, um, you know, make sure that you're looking at multiple sources, make sure that you're you're doing things like thinking um, about about the source that you're getting something from um stuff like that and and again i can't recommend this book enough the art of troubleshooting if you are somebody that really struggles with that critical thinking and problem solving um that book is a godsend and uh, and it's free it's it's free um because the author really believes that this is an important skill that's lacking in people and he wants to help with it so i cannot recommend that book enough for anybody that's struggling with that and um and yeah like just just continue continuously researching and improving yourself is is not only going to improve your role play and writing experience, but um, eventually it'll it'll improve your life too.
0: Yeah, I also think um, it's important to for my final note. Uh, when you are wrong, people will not remember your wrongness; they will remember your reaction to the wrongness. Absolutely. So if you are wrong, accept it, move on. Don't sit there. They will remember the reaction or the. Sp- storm or the ins- or people insisting that they're not wrong that's what people will remember just like if you messed up someone's name or anything like that you sit there and you go oh i apologize okay and then move on
1: exactly like if you call some if you it, that and that's totally that's a normal situation we do that all the time right we use the wrong names for people you we use, we use the wrong pronouns for people and if you just say oh shit sorry um that's it that fixes it like 99 percent of the time yep. you know and then you just do it and right the next time <laughs> then you're good and-
0: and then don't dwell on it. Yeah. Don't like be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Just like people are going to remember that. If you really want people to not remember you being wrong, just sit there and go, my bad, yeah. bye. Yeah, my, <laughs> my bad.
1: Move on, do it right next time. And then nobody yep. is going to even remember that you were wrong
0: um thumper has a hot take that teachers should should teach internet safety oh true Uh, and i agree actually in fact i think i think uh high schools are implementing this as part of their tech courses and uh online courses so i think people are i also know that english classes in at least college have been really really like focused on no you need to have first of all reliable sources for these reasons exactly but also to do your research when it comes to
1: anything, including Facebook. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's um, the, yeah, that's good to hear. Hey, Ryan, um, we're actually you're actually here for just the tail end. But I'm so glad that you could um, join us today, Ryan, um, for, for the last of it. VODs will be going up afterwards on YouTube. So um, for those of you that are logging in at the very tail end, I'm so sorry that you missed us. But you can catch up all of it on YouTube in a couple of hours when those VODs go up.
0: Yes. Also, Thumber, your aunt doesn't remember you calling her an old woman 20 years ago. I promise you. You are keeping yourself up at night for that one. And
1: you want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? If she's holding a a grudge like that 20 years later, it's got nothing to do with you. That has to do with her.
0: That's her problem also 20, 20 years ago you were like eight she was old <laughs> that's the other thing too
1: <laughs> she, she doesn't and she wasn't even mad when it happened that's the real response right like that's the reality for those situations yeah <laughs> my grandmother was um, the one that was mad oh my gosh <laughs> oh well that's too that's funny. on your
0: grandmother apparently <laughs> old is an insult now I don't know when that happened well, I guess it was always kind of an insult but I like guess. I don't get it <laughs> It just means that you're able to break rules more yep that's what i've discovered about being old anyway <laughs> you want to hear about um my wonderful little article for this week
1: yes actually can you um can you link the article in the chat so i'll pull it up and um and we're actually good at a good stopping point on the game so i'll go ahead and save it and we'll switch over to the, the desktop and i'll um i'll pull up the article so <laughs> you can and you can explain it while i'm kind of getting while i'm getting all right this going.
0: So, um, after COVID cancels all his flights, one man sailed solo across the Atlantic to reach his 90-year-old father for his birthday.
1: Oh my gosh, what? And I
0: am just thrilled by it. So, Juan Manuel uh, Belliosteo, I suck at last names, uh, basically never got the memo that he couldn't go home or anything like that. Uh, COVID was canceling all his flights. This was at uh, the very beginning of it. Yes. So this was in when it was hitting the EU pretty hard. So he was in Portugal um, and all the international flights shut down. And so he couldn't get to Argentina where his parents are. And so he ended up taking his boat and he's a he's a Marine. So he had a lot of experience on a sailboat before and everything like that. But to sail across the entire Atlantic Ocean all the way down to Argentina to see his dad for
1: his 90th birthday. Oh my gosh. And look at that. Look at look at that good 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 mask wearing right there. Mask. Yes. Mask. Yeah, we love it. We love to see that. Oh, this is so nice. This is so nice. I mean, I I I hope of, you know, in addition to the masks that they practice social distancing and all of that good stuff. because um, that is important, right? those flights were canceled for a reason. But um but at the same time like it's really hard to not look at this and be like, "Oh my god, that's so sweet." Well, oh my god, what that's like so sweet. Thinking- he
0: spent time on a boat where he was alone for more than 14 days. So he so was he totally social distancing, yeah, which
1: so he means that he there. wasn't
0: breaking any. He wasn't he wasn't breaking any rules. This is perfect.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I guess so so the it trip itself 70, ended up quarantining him, basically. Yeah.
0: So it took him 75 days to get home oh my from Portugal to Argentina. That's uh, and it was a 29 foot sailboat, which is pretty decently sized. Uh, he had packed everything ready to go. And, um, but he ran out of wine on day 38, which I think is extremely important because I would be like, Oof, the last awful. 10 days would be terrible.
1: Awful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it says, um, and then
1: the wind quit leaving his sailboat sitting in the doldrums for 10 days. Oh no. So not yeah. only did he have no wine, but he got, he got paused for 10 days. That's awful. Yeah. But you
0: know, overall, and he has like, he has a, uh, Instagram and everything like that overall. It was really, yeah. really good and he was able and oh and he took a test in argentina and he cleared oh good you should have after 85 days on a sailboat sailboat right um but yeah so he played he played it by the rules and everything like that but it's just nice to know that like that's that's still happening out in the world some good news for uh these covid times
1: I like this. You've shared a couple of the articles that you've shared. Some have been like funny stuff, right? But I really am enjoying the, um, the good news ones. So this is lovely. Yeah. And this, I, think I think this, this, is, this is his Instagram. This is his Instagram, right? Let's I go look at so, it. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't want to sign in right now. Thank you. This is fine. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. And he does but... some scuba diving. Oh, these are beautiful. Yeah. Let's see. Oh no, we're not going to worry about signing in. Thank you. I just wanted to browse a little bit. This is so nice. Oh, and here's, here's from the article, so this is, must have been when he actually got there. Yes. Aww. We love him. Okay, what is his name again? Juan?
0: Juan? Okay. Uh, yeah, Juan Manuel Bayestero. Nope. See, uh, Thumper even put it in the chat
1: for me to figure Juan, out how to pronounce Juan it. Juan Manuel By Okay. Or, yeah, Juan Manuel cool. Bayestero. <laughs> Terrible I got it. <laughs> Thank Not you. Gonna so lie.
0: <laughs> oh, well, we stand.
1: We love you, Juan. This is, um, this is lovely.
0: Yeah, we stand Juan. So, but that's what I got for good news this
1: week. Okay. I like it. All right. So, so that was, um, this was basically our episode on our experiences in the education system and, um, kind of what we personally do as, uh, as lifelong learners and kind of how we make that work. And, uh, and and we just felt like it was important when it comes to role play help to talk about some of that stuff because um, it, it is something that a lot of role players I think do struggle with you know doing research for for the characters and things that they're trying to set up and also um, you know in the server a lot of times when people ask ask questions um, that that they need help on in role play what we end up doing is actually not even answering their question but just helping them understand that it doesn't matter. Like the choice doesn't matter. It's okay. You can do whatever you want. We're just playing pretend yeah. you can do anything. So, um, so I felt it was, this was an important topic for us to talk about. Um, so, so thank oh, you everybody thank you, for Lunar. tuning in. Thanks Lunar.
0: We, it was lovely having you guys all in the chat. Thank you for interacting with us. Yes. Uh, we're glad that you appreciated it and I hope you learned something today. Cause I think that's the most important thing about being a lifelong learner and someone who's interested and invested in education is that you learn something new every day.
1: Yeah, I hope we were able to provide you guys with either um, a perspective that you hadn't heard before or if it was a perspective that you had heard before, you know, some additional ways that that's um, that that's talked about and and discussed and kind of, you know, why we have that perspective based on our um, not so great (laughs) experiences (laughs) with the education system. Because that's where really it all came from. Right. That's where really it all um, it all came from. Oh, um, 100 percent. It's having imperfect experiences in that in early life.
0: And just know that when I rule the world one day, uh, the education system will be one of the first things to change.
1: That will never happen. I will. I will prevent you. <laughs> Why? I, and only because i love you <laughs> why you can't rule the world a, landon i would be no. a
0: wonder i mm-hmm. would be a wonderful queen of the world thank um, you very much we're gonna we're, uh, uh, uh,
1: abolish all abolish, unjust hi- abolish all unjust hierarchies including ones with dictators that i like even um wow. so sorry landon i can't I guess I can't you're not survive. getting australia <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> i get that but yeah abolish homework for sure no homework um, um, it's homework is pointless. Uh... That's fine. That's fine. They can just
0: replace me with Betsy uh, De- Betsy De- De- DeVos. They can replace me. Uh, oh my god! I'll just take her oh job. That'll that, be
1: better. I'd be okay with that part. I'd be okay with yeah. that. <laughs> All right. right. Well, that's um, it. <laughs> that's it. Bye, guys. <laughs> be sure to follow the Twitch channel
0: and oh, yes. uh, Karen's Instagram. Also, if you wanted to become a Patreon, she'd really appreciate it because she's wonderful and you should support her. You can follow our Instagram at enter Stage window and uh, you can listen to us on Spotify. Recommend us to your friends. Tune in next Saturday. Is
1: there anything else? No. Um, if you're not following, please give me a follow on Twitch. If you want to see your name pop up right now while well, we're on for like only about another minute, minute or so. Um, it makes a fun noise that I, that I like to hear. So you know, <laughs> click that follow if you haven't yet.
0: thank you so much no
1: that was thumper thank you so much thumper (laughs) um for that follow anybody else wants to follow there we go i see another one about to pop up give it just a few seconds you're gonna hear that ding one more time there we go thank you so much sasha okay that is our show thank you guys so much we will see you next week with another um, fun topic and great hot takes yeah and don't forget to be awesome bye guys bye